This is VLX number 111, The Kings of the Earth. We are in the last section of Matthew 17, verses 24 to 27. VLX stands for Video Lexio Divina, the only patristic Bible study and Ignatian prayer series online. God give you his peace. In nomine Patris, Ephidi, et Spiritu Sancti. Amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine Patris, Ephidi, et Spiritu Sancti. Amen. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, From others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Okay, it's good to be back with you. Quick note before we jump into today's Gospel. Father Lapide will often use the two terms precept or counsel. We don't have those today, but I want you to be aware of the two terms he uses, which is precept and counsel. That basically means command versus suggestion. So when you hear me say, Father Lapide said this is a precept, that is a command. When you hear me say that him or the church fathers refer to a council, that is more of a suggestion. Okay, so now we are in the last section of Matthew 17 in VLX 111 today. If you're going to do the imaginative way of prayer, I would say picture yourself as being in this home near Capernaum with Jesus and Peter, and Peter comes in kind of sheepishly. Now, Jesus greets him in that, well, very loving but very direct Middle Eastern way. This is how I picture it at least. What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax, from their sons or from others? So just imagine Simon Peter's a little bit taken aback that Jesus knew about the interaction he just had without being there. This is like one of these reading souls or events just like Padre Pio. And you know, speaking of Padre Pio, Italians are not quite as direct as Middle Easterners, but uh, they're pretty direct. Um, especially Italians from Italy. If you've ever seen the Italian movie they made on Padre Pio, uh, he could really challenge his penitence in that really direct way. What do you think? <laughs> and so reading his heart, even though he wasn't there in person, or Jesus knowing the events because he's God, and this is why this this event today is so colorful, that Jesus is like this loving but challenging coach who really catches Peter off guard um, since Peter was speaking for Christ and the band of of the apostles in such a weak way. We're going to hear why in a minute. So Jesus meets this weak way of Peter, which was essentially Peter was currying popularity uh, with basically the authorities. And so Jesus comes at him as Peter comes into the house. Jesus comes at him with this loving, but direct challenge, kind of like, kind of like a coach to a player who, you know, this player thought he got away with something off the court didn't think the coach saw it, and and he saw it. Okay, but why do I say that Peter spoke for Christ in such a weak way? Well, we're going to see from the church fathers that Peter wanted to give an answer. Basically, he wanted to give an answer for the church that pleased the state. But Jesus shows that's not the way to go forward leading the church, just trying to curry favor with the state. Of course, if you're paying attention at this point, you should ask, well, 
Should clergy have to pay taxes? That's essentially what this question is that we're going to look at today. Should clergy have to pay taxes? And if you're paying any attention to the news in the Catholic Church, you know that this is a um, still a very important topic 2,000 years later. Because it was only about a week or two ago that Archbishop Cordelioni said Nancy Pelosi was barred from Holy Communion. And if you saw the most common Twitter reply from people who hate the Catholic Church, it was, well, then the Catholic Church should lose its tax-deductible status. Again, the most common response you saw from haters of the Catholic Church after the Cordelioni versus Pelosi event was, then the Catholic Church should lose its tax-deductible status. Uh, maybe a little bit more broad question than that is, should clergy have to pay taxes? And amazingly, that's what today's section is about. Um, and really, without demurring, Lapide gives two answers, or rather two bookends, within the within which the church has to act and make policy for her clergy paying taxes. And you'll even hear that this covers the topic of if lay people should pay taxes to a corrupt government. As you know, I love giving you direct answers in this world of modernist grays, but today we actually do have some gray answers. So I'm sorry I won't be quite as black and white as I normally give you on this. Um, it will be black. It will be a little bit gray on today's topic of taxes. But that's because the, the Holy Fathers give some answers that are a little bit different, and we're going to look at that. Also, another point of confusion, but you just have to muscle through this, is that the numbering for the Dewey Rhymes Bible and the English Standard Version are a little bit different. Um, and so it's verse 23 in the Douay Rhymes, but verse 24 in the ESV. So I'm not going to give you verse numbers, but the first verse says, when they came to Capernaum, the collect, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay tax? So when they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay tax? Now, Father Lapide points out that this harkens us all the way back to Exodus chapter 30, verse 13. Father Lapide says, There God ordained that every Israelite male of 20 years old and upward should pay a half shekel for the service of the sanctuary. This was when a census was taken. But subsequently, he's talking about later, after Exodus, but subsequently, the Jews of their own accord, out of devotion, and that they might more entirely fulfill the law, decreed that everyone, in other words, not just males, everyone should pay this half shekel every year to support the many priests and Levites for repairing the temple, for furnishing victims for the sacrifices, that means animal victims, and many other things used in or adorning the temple. But, Father Lapide continues, Josephus states that the Jews living outside Judea in Babylon collected this sacred didachrma and sent it to the temple. But this tribute or tax was not sacred, not paid to the temple, but rather profane and paid to the Romans or Herod Antipas, who had been set up as king of Galilee by the Romans. This is evidence from Christ's words to Peter in the following verse, the kings of the earth, of whom do they receive tribute or custom? And when you hear the word profane, that doesn't mean dirty, it just means secular right there. But what I think Father Lapide is trying to show us is that there was a progression from this originally being paid to the temple to now being paid to the Romans. And he says, um, Moreover, because the Jews were accustomed to pay a didacrum to, to, to the temple, they were also ordered by the Romans to pay the same sum to them. So that, that line right there kind of smooths over the, uh, the historical disagreement or the historical confusion right there. 
that basically the conclusion Father Lapide comes to is the Jews had to pay both the temple and the Romans. Um, and so this is where Josephus continues of this Vespasian, who I think was a uh, Roman governor, and he, Josephus says Vespasian proclaimed that a tribute or tax should be collected from the Jews everywhere and commanded that they send two drachmas each year to the capital, just as previously they used to pay it to the temple in Jerusalem. The Jews greatly disliked paying this tribute to the Romans, who were Gentiles. They said that they were the people of God and therefore free, and that they ought to pay tribute to him, that is God, not to Caesar. This feeling it was which gave rise about the time of Christ to the sect of the Galileans, whose leader was Judas of Galilee, not one of the apostles, who refused all payment of tribute to Caesar and all acknowledgement of his authority. Finally, their resistance broke out into war, in which Judea was again conquered and destroyed by Vespasian. Christ and his apostles were suspected of belonging to this sect because they were from Galilee and were preachers and teachers of the new heavenly kingdom. And here's the key line here. In order... In order, therefore, that Christ might show the groundlessness of this imputation, Christ, on the present occasion, paid the didachma, and he declared that it should be paid to Caesar. See chapter 22, verse 21. Okay, so right there we have um, this historical setup right here, that there's a lot of tension because of, rev of revolt of the Jews against the Romans on this whole thing. And we're going to hear that Christ explains that even though he is the Son of God, is exempt from having to pay man's taxes to a state, especially something like the Roman Roman government. We're going to hear why he has Peter pay this, but in this miraculous uh, way. Now, if that was confusing for you, don't worry. It was for Peter too. And that's why Peter just says yes, because there's so many things going on right here um, that he doesn't want to get Jesus. Peter doesn't want to get Jesus in trouble with the authorities. So he does say he pays taxes, but... I think Peter also realizes that Christ knows that he and probably even Israel are above Caesar, so he doesn't give much of an explanation. Peter doesn't give much of, a, of an explanation to this, author, um, to this authoritarian figure asking for money. And so he just kind of stammers this single word, yes, to that tough question of if Jesus pays taxes. Okay, so one question you might have is, why didn't they ask Jesus this question? St. Jerome says, the collectors of the tribute or tax did not venture to ask Christ himself on account of his sanctity, teaching, and miracles, but they said it to Peter in private instead. And that was just Father Lapide summarizing the words of St. Jerome there. And then we go back into the text here. Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Father Lapide says, Christ, being aware of the secret conversation between Peter and the tax collectors, having already seen and heard it in spirit, preempted him, that is, first asked him about the matter, matter, and showed that Christ was not under obligation to pay this tribute, saying, The kings of the earth. St. John Chrysostom teaches that in this way, the children of kings with their families of common right are free from the tribute paid to kings. In other, way, in other words, what Father Lapide is saying that St. John Chrysostom teaches is that normally in history, children of kings did not pay taxes. 
And then it is almost as if Christ were to say, says Father Lapidate, much more therefore am I, together with my apostles who are my family, I, I say, who am king of kings and the true and only begotten son of God himself, am free from every tribute or tax whatsoever with the kings of the earth as they would impose upon their subjects. So Christ is basically saying him and his apostles are free of this. However, now we have to look at as what I call the other side of this bookend here. Um, you have to remember that Jesus was not setting up some band like uh, Judea of Galilee to just be um, a rebellious group of rabble-rousers at the earthly level. He wanted everything turned on its head spiritually, this, this world where, remember, Satan is the prince of this world, but he's not the king of this world. Christ is the king of this world. But many follow Satan, who is the prince. And so... Um, Christ has a different kingdom to establish than just rabble-rousers at the uh, state level. And this is why Father Lapide says, Therefore certain canonists are wrong in gathering from this reasoning of Christ that the clergy by divine right are exempt from, from all taxes. And he says, The falsehood of this idea is shown by the apostle in Romans chapter 13, verse 7. So if you want to see where we get this notion in the Bible, that even Christians, uh, as far as, non-unjust laws that we have to uh, still obey those. It comes from Romans 13.7. But then Father Lapide does add, properly, however, in accordance with these words of Christ, kings and princes have exempted ecclesiastics who are, so to speak, of the household and family of Christ, free from the payment of taxes. So in summary, we see that over the past 2,000 years, certain kings have refrained from demanding taxes from priests and bishops, probably because of obedience to this verse in Matthew 17. But on the other side of the coin, when Christians like us live in a pagan culture that surrounds us, then we, then we individuals normally follow thir Romans 13 on following the law. But I say normally because there is something called conscientious, conscientious tax objection, uh, that you could apply um, to right now, considering how much of our money goes to, say, abortion in this country. But this, discu this discussion is outside the topic of today's um, Matthew 17. The other thing I'm not going to discuss today, but you might want to research on your own, is if the church should be taxed by a pagan government like what we have today. Well, maybe I will jump in a little bit. The reason I have no person, this is my own words, this isn't the church father's, but personally, the reason I have no opposition to the Catholic Church losing her tax-exempt status under the current U.S. government is because the Catholic Church already takes too much hush money from the government. And honestly, as we were talking about um, the current events of the past month here in 2022, maybe this is why it took so long to hear even the slightest opposition to one of the thousands, yes, thousands of pro-abortion Democrats across this country who are receiving Holy Communion, probably even in the diocese of the bishops who supported Archbishop Corleone's recent decision. Now, too little, too late if you ask me, but I guess better late than never. But the point I'm trying to make on my own personal opinion here is that the church is way too in bed with the state to make any real difference until we decide to live as early Christians, um, the early Catholics on this stuff. That is, with no compromise, with no hush money from the government. You know, you look at the paycheck protection programs under these kufidocracy lockdowns. And it is insane what average diocese took, uh, which was presumably money to keep these churches closed. And as I put on Twitter, um, 
when all this happened in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago between um, Corleone and Pelosi, I wrote, I'm amazed how many Catholics today admire the early Christians for making no compromise on morals with the Roman Empire, but still think we'll make converts today by compromise with secularists. Do we really believe our culture today is less deadly than the Roman Empire? And I wasn't tweeting that against any bishop or politician. I meant that towards real normie Catholics who really, we really do admire the early Christians, but somehow think evangelization has to meet people halfway. No, we have to follow God in a manner that is non-compromising while still being merciful to those around us, but we can't be compromising on the law of God anymore. Also, I'm going to try to throw in maybe like one Greek word. I think there's some people out there that really like the Greek, as do I. So we'll try to do at least one Greek word for every section going forward. And the word for today is free. I love this word, eleutheroi. Eleutheroi is the plural of the noun when Jesus says the sons are free. You could write that above it. In the Latin script, it would be E-L-E-U-T-H-E-R-O-I. I would write that above free. And that is the plural of the noun for those who are free. But the adjective for free, it's almost the same in Greek. And it's eleutheros. And that is spelled E-L-E-T-H-E-R-O-S. Eleutheros means free or independent. In fact, did you know that we had a pope who took that name in Greek? He was a second century pope named Pope Eleutherius, which literally means Pope Freedom. Can you imagine a pope taking the name of freedom? He was also a saint, Pope St. Eleutherius, from the year 175 to 189. He was probably Albanian. Pope freedom, from the Greek word eleutheros, means free or independent, which is the same word we have as the plural noun of those men who are free, namely eleutheroi, in the second to last verse today. Okay, and then the last verse today, Jesus commands Peter to do one of the most unusual miracles of the Bible, to pay taxes from a coin given him by a fish, miraculously producing it. Do I happen to believe, do I believe this actually happened in real life? You bet I do. Again, you'll read accounts of Padre Pio, even given by unbelievers, of more outrageous miracles than this. So if Padre Pio could do those outrageous miracles, how much more could his Savior and his God, Jesus Christ, do this. So absolutely, I believe that Peter went out and the very first fish he found gave two coins. As we hear in these last verses, um, however, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Okay, the first thing to notice here is the Greek word stater is not used earlier in today's section or pericope. Pericope is the same as a section. Uh, stater is not used to refer to taxes, but it is just a silver coin. Stater is a silver coin worth about four drachmas or one shekel. But let's finally see why the church fathers say Jesus paid this and why he paid it miraculously. And as I read this, keep in mind, lest means so the following doesn't happen. It is as though Christ said, lest the collectors should be offended and think we despise the Roman emperor Tiberius as a Gentile and reject his authority and refuse him tribute or taxes and incite the Jews to rebel against him like Judas of Galilee. Go fishing and take that stodder that you will find in the mouth of the fish that you catch first and pay it to the publicans for me and for you. 
Um, so what, again, what Jesus is showing Peter is you shouldn't have said yes when he said to you pay taxes, but since you already say it, we have to prove we're not liars. And as long as you did say yes, we need to show we're also not um, just mercenary rebel rousers who are out for an earthly kingdom. No, we are out for a heavenly kingdom. So even though this paying is below us, we have to go pay it. One, so that we show that you're not lying. And two, so that it shows that we're not like Judas of Galilee, who is just out to um, make rebels against Caesar. No, we are to make rebels against the prince of this earth, who is Satan. And really, that's not rebels. We are to make people obedient to the triune God. And one of the three persons of the triune God is God the Son. So God the Son, he is God. He's certainly above these taxes. But Father Lapide says, Note that Christ here performed a heroic act of justice, humility, and obedience when he paid taxes to the ruler, from which he was exempt by natural law and divine law. And Christ taught that Christianity was an institution not opposed to civil government, but it is rather an aid and an advantage to it. Um, so Christ didn't have to pay that, but he chose he chose to have Peter at the very beginning of Christianity do this to show that Catholicism was not going to be a threat to a state that wants to thrive. Now, people would say, well, you are a threat on things like women's rights, but notice I said a state that wants to thrive. Any state killing its own children is not out to thrive, but any state um, that wants to thrive Catholicism, Catholicism has never been a threat to it. And then Father Lapide points out also, Christ did not pay, you might wonder, this is a really good question, why were there only two coins if there was Jesus plus 12 apostles? Shouldn't there be 13 coins? Why was there only two coins in the mouth of this fish? And Father Lapide said, he did not pay for the rest of the disciples, either because, as Lyra thinks, only the heads of families were bound to pay this tribute and not the individual family members, or else because the disciples of Christ were poor men. And then last couple lines from Lapide, he says, It was also honoris causa to intimate that Peter was the vicar of his household and his church and destined by him to be the head and prince of all the other apostles. And then finally, this is something we can all learn from, from any time that Father Lapide says morally or tropologically, we can learn from our own lives, for our own lives rather. And Father Lapide says morally, he did this, that Christ might teach that God provides necessary things for the poor in spirit by means of fishes and other creatures, as he provided food for Elias by the ministry of ravens almost miraculously. Please say an Our Father for me, et benedictio Dei omnipotentis, Patris et Spiritus Santi, descendet super vos et maniat semper. Amen.